So, dear friends, you celebrate today in this lovely parish uh, the uh, solemnity of the Immaculate Heart, after which this church is named. And uh, I just think of the the words of St. Pius X. He'd always ask people, why, why do we honour the Blessed Virgin Mary? And when they weren't sure, he would respond to them in the words that we know so well, so that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Cardinal Newman, for many years of his life, even though he could see the, that the Catholic Church was more likely the true one, true church, one obstacle he had was this devotion that Catholics had to Our Lady. But one day this obstacle was removed, and it wasn't removed by anything he learnt about Our Lady, anything he'd studied about uh, understanding her more clearly, it was when he understood more clearly, he says, who Christ was. As soon as he understood that Christ was God, uh, who had assumed to himself a human nature, then it made sense to him that Mary is the mother of God. And then absolutely we honour and, and reverence and love her as the mother of our God. And it's very important when we say that Mary is the mother of God, we're not saying that she came before God or that she gave our Lord his existence. Because, you know, even if you think about it, we, parents do not even give existence to their children. God is the one who gives existence to their children. But what the parents give is a particular mode of existing and a particular way of existing with a, a, a human nature. And that's why St. Thomas Aquinas says, just as any woman is a mother from the fact that a child is derived from her, so the Blessed Mary ought to be called the Mother of God if the body of God is derived from her. This is what we are getting at. Mary is the Mother of God. And this is why uh, we reverence, we respect, we love her, uh, we honour her. And we're going to see a little bit more of why. But it's very interesting that Newman points out then that if we look throughout Europe, we shall find on the whole that just those nations and countries who have lost their faith in the divinity of Christ, they are also the ones that have given up their devotion to the Mother of God. Once you have a false understanding of Christ, then yes, then Mary becomes irrelevant to you. And this is the problem with the Protestants. They have a false understanding of who Christ is. And this is why they have an understanding of the importance of the devotion to Our Lady. Newman also points out that what the church fathers always pointed out very clearly, that Mary is the second Eve, the first Eve created immaculate uh, by God. And the first Eve, by listening to a serpent, brought down a condemnation upon the human race. And she was called the mother uh, uh, of all men. Well, Mary is the mother of the living, the second Eve. Just as Christ is, as St. Paul says, the second Adam, and two were engaged in bringing down uh, the downfall of mankind. So two are engaged in bringing up the elevation uh, of mankind. And this is our Lord and Our Lady. And again, Our Lady is not uh, uh, the essential in that reality. Uh, it is our Lord who is our Redeemer and Saviour. But Our Lady cooperated in that in the fullest and most perfect sense and shares in then the distribution of graces that God gives to us. 
she uh, disposes us in every, in every way, even in this Mass. It is her that prepares our hearts to receive worthily our Lord in Holy Communion. She is the dispensatrix of all graces. She uh, is the mother of God's children. And she prepares us, disposes us. St. Pius the 10th will say that Christ obtained for us, uh, all that Christ obtained for us in strict justice, Mary obtained for us in equity. And for this reason, uh, she is the distributor of all graces. Yes, Mary is what we call then the, the mediatrix of all graces. For us it, to understand uh, uh, a little bit of this reality, uh, Frank Duff, the, the founder of the Legion uh, of Mary, explains that Adam called his wife the mother of the living. The new Adam, Christ, can bestow that name on his beloved uh, mother in a far wider sense. Eve performed the immense office of generating and nurturing her children. Mary exceeds her type by giving us spiritual life, and her family is all mankind. To each individual, one, she imparts that life of grace, and she nurtures each one of us from the cradle to the grave. A very beautiful uh, author in a book uh, I read just the other day is Father Kevin McNamara in his work, The Mother of of the Redeemer. He gives us a deep insight into, and I think this is very important for us, particularly here, uh, a deep insight into understanding when we speak about Mary as an image of the church and what, what do we mean and what is our relationship to Mary through the church. He gives a very profound uh, explanation because the, the church teaches us that almost everything we can say uh, almost without any exception, of the church, we can also say of Mary. And to understand this statement, Father McNamara gives us a very profound insight to why, why this statement is so profoundly true of Our Lady and what it means for us and some practical application. He says, Mary and the church, indeed, they are distinct entities with different modes of existence. Mary is a person the church is a community or a society of persons. Nevertheless, they have personality in common. And it is by analysing this that we can see how and where they meet. Mary is a person, that is, primarily a being who knows and loves, and who therefore exists in relation to that which she knows and loves. And she exists in relation to uh, God. That's who she knows and loves. Now, Mary, Mary's knowing and loving that by which her personality realizes itself actually has one sole adequate object, Jesus Christ. Her main focus is our Lord. Her whole personality expresses itself in a supreme activity of knowing and loving him in who dwells all the fullness of the Godhead corporally. During her life on earth, she attained through contemplation and suffering an immense capacity was in this way fully actualized and it involved her whole being, body and soul. She was and is nothing apart from this knowledge and love, at once particular, immense and personal. The mysteries of her life and vocation are but modes of expression of this activity. The church is also, the church is a community of persons 
each of which is called to the knowledge and the love of Christ. Each soul is thus, in truth, the spouse of Christ. Each soul is destined to, the, to know Christ in this way and in his own way, for each soul is unique. It is this total achievement of knowledge and love that is the whole purpose of the church, which is therefore most accurately described as the bride of Christ. Mary is the model of knowledge and love of Christ, the prototype of the perfect spouse. She alone has grasped, as far as a creature can, the immense, uh, the immeasurable riches of the word made flesh. She alone loves Christ as he thirsts and demands to be loved by created love. It is to this fullness of comprehension that the church and the individual soul within the church <clears throat> aspires. In short, all the treasures of love that the church seeks for herself are already present in Mary. And that's a statement worth uh, repeating. All the treasures of love that the church seeks for herself are already present in Mary. Mary is the perfect reality both of each of us as the individuals that we are called to be, the lovers of our Lord, and she is in this sense a perfect symbol of all the, that the church ought to be, that is the, uh, the true lover of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what does this mean for us in practice? He says, the more the image and idea of Mary and the image and the idea of the church become united in the single idea of the spouse of Christ, the more does the individual feel in his contact with the church the presence of a gentle and comforting personality, even in matters legislative and administrative. And the more does he feel in his communication with Mary that universal charity that radiates throughout the whole church from her immaculate heart. His love of Christ is through the heart of Mary and from out of the heart of the bridal church to Jesus through Mary and with the church. So we love our Lord through Mary because she teaches us the heart that we ought to have, how we ought to reflect this charity and love of our Lord in our hearts, in our, in our lives. Here, St. Maximum Colby gives us some profound words this, that reflect this point. He says, For us, it is to come ever nearer to her, to become like her, to allow her to reign in our hearts and the whole of our being, that she may live and uh, work uh, in us and through us to spread her light over our surroundings, to win souls for her so that the heart of our neighbour too may be open to her and that she may reign in our hearts uh, of all, in whatever part of the world they may be. You know, when I was on my travels on my way back here, I was in the Hawke's Bay and my guide uh, pointed out to me there were two men in dressed in a particular distinctive uniform and said to me, Father, do you know uh, what the role of those men in the town is? I said, no. They said, they're those men. They walk around the town. That's all they do. And if people have a question, uh, they can answer their question. If they want somebody to talk to, they need some help, they need some assistance and some direction. That's all their, their job is. They walk throughout the town the whole day. Uh, and I thought to myself, those men, in what they are doing, 
they are the embodiment of what Cardinal Newman uh, wanted for the whole church. He said, for the whole church, we need men that are like a living and walking encyclopedia of knowledge of our Lord and Our Lady, but they also filled and prepared for any good work. Imagine, imagine that we had throughout the whole church Catholics like that, who people knew that they could turn to them for any question, any knowledge, not only on religion, but any, any subject matter, and that they could be called upon to give assistance, whether it's temporal assistance, spiritual assistance, moral assistance, whatever. Imagine that uh, people recognised that uh, at the front, uh, when they walked down the street, whichever house had a statue of Our Lady, there they could go there if they were in need of anything, of uh, food, a chat, uh, some, some, someone to talk to, a friend, uh, somewhere to sleep. If they just saw the statue of Our Lady, they would know that they would be welcome in that home. That should be us. We should have a statue of Our Lady at the front of our house. And even if it takes you 10 or 20 years of saving for that statue, it's worth it. Because our love and devotion to Our Lady should not be a private affair should be a public affair. Men in the world should know Our Lady. Uh, you know, the wicked men in the world, they are not ashamed of their perverse ideas. They make banners, they make uh, images, they promote them far and wide. But well, we should not be ashamed of our devotion, our love. What an honour it is for us to know the Blessed Virgin Mary. We ought to make her known, loved and honoured and reverenced and respected far and wide. Uh, and yes, I know people often say, well, well Father, it, people may, may vandalise the statue. Well, that's okay, because it's worth the risk. The good that we do in making her known, it's worth it. Uh, we ought to do that. We ought to make uh, this a reality in our lives, that we imitate Our Lady. Because, you know, it's ironic that all of us, as Catholics, we turn to Our Lady in our needs. She is our refuge, our hope, our consolation. Well, if we truly love Our Lady and we truly want to imitate, we should be that for those around us. We should be a consolation, a hope, a place of refuge, a friend, a companion, an assistant for those around us, those in our own home and those in our town, in our country, wherever that we may be. We ought to imitate Our Lady in this way. Otherwise, our devotion is, is uh, as deep as the facade only. But if we truly try to Imitate Our Lady. This is what it means for us, as uh, Maximilian Colby explains to us, to spread her light over our surroundings, to win souls for her, so that her heart and the hearts of our neighbours too may be open to her, and she may reign in the hearts of all, in whatever part of the world they may be. And again, we do that just by reflecting the kindness, the goodness, the charity, the generosity, the, the love of Our Lady to those around us, in our town, in our neighbourhood, wherever it might be, in our office, wherever we may be, that people know that we are people of great equanimity, charity, kindness, patience. Uh, in whatever circumstance they may find themselves, they know that they have uh, in us a friend. They have in us uh, uh, not only a friend, but a generous friend who looks, you know, our, our lady at the wedding of Cana. Everyone else knew that they ran out of wine. But our lady sought to do something about it. We, we all know there's a problem in the church. We all know there's a problem in the world. But our Lord says to us, well, why not be like 
my mother. Now, my mother sought to do something about it. She didn't just uh, shrug her shoulders and say, none of my business. Well, what affects our brothers in the world is our business. And we do have a duty to do what we can, each in our own way, something about it. And we can, we can at least with confidence turn to Our Lady. Because there are some evils in our world, in our town, that are bigger than us. Well, Our Lady, what did she do at Cana? She turned to Our Lord. This is, problem is bigger than I can solve uh, at this present time. Well, I turn with confidence to Our Lord. And this is what we can at least do. We can say, okay, there are some problems that are far bigger than me. Well, we imitate Our Lady. What do we do? We turn to her son. She shows us. She, her life is a perfect example for us. And Our Lady's life, a perfect model, was not a life exempt from sorrow. Not a life exempt from trials, difficulties uh, uh, and hardship. It wasn't. That's not what it means to be a friend of our Lord. On the contrary, to be a friend of our Lord is to be a friend of the cross. And Our Lady helps us to know how to, to get through that, to see through that. Because sometimes we can make the trials in our life and in our world seem like they're the end. That's all there is to the story. Now, Our Lady, even beneath the foot of the cross, as difficult as it was, Our Lady didn't believe that that was the end of the story. The trials in our life and in the world, they're not the end of the story. They're part of the story. And maybe even an essential part of the story. Because they also are part of the role that we have to play. Our Lady had an essential role in the work of salvation of mankind. Well, we also have an essential role to play in the salvation of our neighbour. God has put us in our time, not by accident, but on purpose. He thought that you were the right person to be born in this time for the mission that he's given you. And again, Our Lady is the perfect model for us to imitate. And this is why devotion to her Immaculate Heart is extremely profound uh, for us. At Fatima, Our, our, our Lady told Lucia, Sister Lucia uh, that Jesus wants to establish in the world devotion to my Immaculate Heart. Whoever embraces this devotion, I promise salvation. These souls shall, bear, uh, shall be dear to God as follow, fl uh, flowers placed by me to adorn his throne. If what I say is done, many souls will be saved and there will be peace. And it's very clear that we, we have not uh, adhered to this. And this is why Our Lady had, uh, through uh, Sister Lucia, had established the, the five Saturdays in reparation for the sins committed uh, against her immaculate heart so important for us and they were uh, five five prime reasons first for the blasphemies against her immaculate conception and today everyone thinks they're immaculately conceived uh, we are conceived immaculate in our baptism have we been like our lady true to our baptism since the of blasphemy against her perpetual virginity and today uh, we see how sadly uh, this reality of virginity is desecrated in the world. Uh, mocked impurity is prof uh, profoundly pro uh, promoted all around the world today. How important it is for us to, uh, you know, I, I often think how, how all the more is our devotion essential to Our Lady today when, you know, the, it's a controversial question. What is a woman? Uh, they don't know how dumb they've become. Uh, but our Lady is the perfect ideal of a woman. 
all the more do we need devotion to Our Lady and to spread, to make known this is the icon of the perfect woman. And a woman who was married, married woman, uh, uh, flesh of our flesh, uh, conceived immaculate for us, for our sake, so that we may truly understand what is a woman in the mind of God. Well, she's the perfect icon of that. Uh, and this is why also Our Lady says to make reparation against the, the blasphemies, uh, against her divine maternity. She is the mother of our God. The blasphemies of those who publicly try to sow in the hearts of children indifference, scorn, or hatred against her. And we see this is the, at the root of Protestantism. They, they despise the mother of God. Uh, and, to make offen- uh, and to make reparation for the offences of those who outrage her directly in her holy images. And we make reparation for this by also promoting her image, by sharing her image, honouring her image, and making sure that certainly at least in our homes, every Catholic home should have an image of Our Lady. Uh, I know that today we live in a world where we, we, we believe in this false idea of spiritual uh, image, or, uh, you know, I, I, I fast and I make sacrifices only spiritually, but in actual fact I make no real fasting, no real sacrifices. That's not the Catholic spirit. Catholic spirit was founded on real, real beautiful uh, sacred art, and, you know, traveling your country, seeing the great basilicas, the great statues of Our Lady, and in all different places, not just in the churches, also in the graveyards. So one graveyard I drove past, I was astounded. The beautiful statue of Our Lady at the front, welcoming everybody. Our Lady is welcoming everybody. And you see, again, just as we say about our Lord at Christmas, that you can't be afraid of a little child. So God comes as a child, but you also can't be afraid of a defenseless woman. And Our Lady comes as, as one of us. Uh, and yet she is the perfect icon of all that we should all be, both men and women. And she is the one that elevates all womanhood in order that we men may truly understand the reverence, the devotion, the respect that we ought to have towards all women. And so, dear friends, to simply conclude uh, today's sermon for you with the beautiful and most best words I've ever heard about Our Lady by Pope Pius IX, who states to us in encouraging terms, let us, let all the children of the Catholic Church who are so dear to us, hear these words of ours. Let them continue to venerate, invoke and pray to the Blessed Virgin, the Mary, the Mother of God, conceived without original sin. Let them fly with utter confidence to this most sweet Mother of mercy and grace in all dangers, difficulties, needs, doubts and fears. Under her guidance, under her patronage, under her kindness and protection, nothing is to be feared, nothing is hopeless. Because while bearing towards us a truly motherly affection and having in her care the work of our salvation, she is solicitous for the whole human race. And since she has been appointed by God to be the Queen of heaven and earth and exalted above the choirs of angels and saints, she presents our petitions in a most efficacious manner. What she asks, she obtains. Her pleas can never be unheard. In the name of the Father, and the Son, Holy Ghost. Amen.